Hey, bitches. Hi. (laughs) Welcome back to Eerie Thoughts with our guest host, Nicole. Yay. (laughs) So excited to be back. So excited to be back. And you said you had a topic that you want to talk about. I have a topic. Yeah. Okay. Do you think a straw has one hole or two? (laughs) One. But there's two ends. Yeah, but it's... Basically, a straw is a hole. Okay. (laughs) Do you think that? No, I think there's two. How is there two? Because there's two sides. So there's two holes. It's one hole. It's the same hole. Do you think if you if you dug a tunnel from here to China? There's two holes. That's two holes. Yes. Because <laughs> you go from one hole to the other. I hate kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever. Whatever. You're wrong. No, you're <laughs> okay. You're definitely wrong, but okay. I just whatever you said, I was just gonna say the opposite. I, I like to figured. argue with you. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> Me and Mason were talking yesterday or two days ago, and about you, and I was like, I really think she'd just be trolling. Like, I think she just says stuff to get a reaction. I do. Yeah, it's just fun. I forget what he was saying that you said, but I say a lot of dumb things to Mason. I know it's fun. I know, and that's what I told him. I was like, I don't think she actually believes a lot of what she says. I think she just be saying stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, sometimes I do. Like when we talk about like states and cities, I'm serious. And you don't know that Arizona is a state. Like you're. (laughs) 100% you did not know that. Also, I think from Mason, I just found out that Boston is not a country. It's a city. (laughs) In, like, Missouri or something. Or or Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. (laughs) Knew it started with an M. The best thing that you could have done was meet Mason. He's taught you so much. I know. Oh, my God. He taught me that there's... Because I thought there was 52 states. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it was. That's what it was. Because <laughs> there's 52 stars on the flag. I thought there was. He was. He's like, she's convinced that there's not 50 states. And I was like, there's no way she believes that. <laughs> no, I truly did. I thought Hawaii and Alaska were like two extra states. <laughs> <laughs> what, are they, what are they teaching in schools these days, man? I did not pay attention in that class. Yeah. But I mean, we talked about like history and stuff in school. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything that ever happened in history, ever. So. No, because I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about anything that happened, like, before 1980. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. My screen was about to go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep? Yeah, like, like, yeah, like go black. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess you prepared a story for us? I did. And it's a shorty, but a sweetie? Yes. Okay, cool. Do you disclaimer. Want, do you want to go first? <laughs> yes, but disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> I am not good at this. <laughs> and I'm that's so what, scared. That's what I say about most things in life. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to get into it? Yeah. Here, get closer. Okay. This story was Request. reco- requested by Bobby. Shout out, Bobby. Shout out, Bobby. Our biggest fan. <laughs> your, your only fan. Hashtag OF. <laughs> okay, so my story is on the Beast of Bray Road. Ooh. And Insert. apparently there's a whole movie about it that I did not know about. There is. That used to be Grandma's favorite movie. Yeah, One that's what Mom said, too. 
Okay. I'm just going to get into it. Go for it, girl. Okay. So, the first sighting of what came to be known as the Beast of Bray Road was in Elkhorn, Wisconsin in 1936 when a night watchman for a school was crossing the fields. Fun fact. Unrelated fact. Ooh. This school is where Rosemary Kennedy, John F. Kennedy's sister, was housed after her father forced her to be lobotomized. I need to be lobotomized. I was going to say, that's the perfect place for you. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, so the watchman saw what he described as a hairy humanoid creature standing between six and seven feet tall on top of a burial mound, which is creepy. Yeah. You said between six and seven feet tall? Yeah. That's a big hoe. It's <laughs> a big man. He's a big boy. Um, okay, put that Dua Lipa, I need a big boy. Or not Dua she, Lipa. Who was it? SZA? Lizzo. <laughs> oh, Lizzo? Oh, wait. No, it was on SNL. You know what I'm talking about? That song that was like yeah. a TikTok sound? Yeah, I think yeah. it was SZA. Yeah, I think, I think it, was. it was for a skit, though. Right? Yeah. I don't think it's an actual song. No, I think it is. Oh, okay. I used to jam to that song. Oh, okay. Okay. Um... He said it closely resembled a wolf or a bear. He said it was standing upright and appeared to be clawing at the ground. He said its speech was half beast and half human. So it was like talking? Yeah, that's what, what does that sound like? Half beast, half human? So it was like speaking, it was like forming sentences, it sounds like. Or I don't know, you said this was where in Wisconsin? Yeah. So it's probably speaking English. Or it was like sounded like a human, like a human man, like making wolf sounds. Like if I were to make like howling wolf sounds, like you could tell it was a person, maybe. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, like I don't run, but if I seen that and heard that, I'm gone. If you ever see me running, there's probably a really good reason <laughs> behind it. Um, and the watchman caught the strong scent of rotting flesh. Ooh. But nice it fled. And, <laughs> nice and sweet. <laughs> the sweet aroma. Oh, yeah. Let me light my rotting flesh candle real quick. <laughs> the mac and cheese candle the from TJ Maxx. Disclaimer, if you are a candle person and you go to TJ Maxx and you're like, oh, this candle says it's mac and cheese flavored, don't smell it. <laughs> I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but... It actually smells like rotting flesh. <laughs> I tried to find that candle for you for Christmas. I would have smashed it in your driveway. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the next day, he went back to the same location. He saw the creature. Um, he went back during the daytime and saw raking marks in the dirt. When it was dark and nighttime again, the watchman returned to the mound and once again saw the creature. This time, however, it did not run. It stood tall and faced the watchman, and he once again said that, ha that it had black hair, gave off a bad odor like long dead meat, and had glowing red eyes. <laughs> when you said, Why are you laughing? You said long dead, meaning like it's been dead for a long time, right? It's, but when yeah. you said long, long, I thought you meant long, comma, dead, long. comma, meat, like it's a long meat. <laughs> That's like, dead. <laughs> I guess I could explain that better. It's okay. <laughs> um, he said it looked straight at him and made a low and mean growl. <laughs> Why so is it me? <laughs> so it's, you at work at so every. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's tall. It has dark hair. I so you <laughs> it's growling at people <laughs> has red eyes oh okay i was gonna say that's you but 
Um, after that, the man had not seen the creature again, and the beast was not seen for 50 years. Ooh. So, the most recent sighting after that was in 1989. At 1.30 a.m., a lady named Lori was driving home along Bray Road, and off to the side she saw the massive creature. Uh-oh. She said its back was turned to her, but as she continued to drive, she glanced back, and it was facing her. Oh, no. <laughs> it was ready to square up. It was ready to throw some hands. <laughs> She said it was kneeling, its elbows were up, and its claws were facing out. She said it seemed to be holding something that she assumed was roadkill. But unlike other animals you see on the side of the road that run when headlights are aimed at them, this creature instead stood there and stared at her. It chose fight. It chose violence. Fight or flight, it said fight. Fight. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, Lori believes that this creature she saw was something satanic. I would probably agree with Lori. Yeah. I mean... It doesn't sound good. It doesn't, doesn't sound, sound like, like a dog. doesn't sound like Jesus was around. <laughs> <laughs> um, two years later, another lady named Doris claimed to have seen the beast on Halloween night on the same road. She was driving in the fog and hit something and felt her front tire... <laughs> 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 Um, she was driving in the fog and hit something and felt her front tire lift off of the ground. She got out of the car to see the damage and what she hit, but there was nothing on the road. She then saw (laughs) your face. I just can't. What? It's so funny. Am I ugly? No. I don't know. Um, don't look at me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, she then saw the creature come running out of the woods, and she quickly got back in her car and sped off, but at that same moment, the creature caught up to her and landed on the trunk of her car. Oh my god. <laughs> that is not something that- you imagine? Yeah. Like, you hit something, and you're like, oh my god, I, like, probably, like, hit a person and, like, killed a person, and then it's, like, not a person, number one. It's something scary, and number two, like, it's you didn't kill it, now it's on, now it's coming back. Now it's on your trunk. <laughs> It's coming back for revenge. It's getting you, and it's bringing all its friends. <laughs> I don't think he has friends. He might. You don't know. He might. Um, they might. We don't know if it's a boy. Oh, yeah. It could be a girl. Gotta respect the... Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it slid off of her trunk because of the rain, But later that night, Doris said she saw the creature again after picking up her friend from a party, and her friend pointed out the window and screamed, Look at that thing! (laughs) (laughs) When she got home, she noticed claw marks on the back of the car and described the creature as a freak of nature, one of God's mistakes. Oh no, why would you insult it like that? Oh my god. One of God's mistakes. It's coming back for her. That's harsh. Well, what do you think it was, an angel? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I guess uh, maybe maybe one of God's mistakes was correct. I don't know. Maybe. So, for the most part, the sightings of the Beast of Ray Road stopped in the 90s, but a lot of people believe the creature still lurks in the bushes along Ray Road. Some people believe this creature is a werewolf or Bigfoot, and others believe it is an unidentified species, something satanic, a government experiment gone wrong, or a Native American shapeshifter. Ooh, that's scary. The skinwalker angle, that scares me so bad. Is that bad. the Native American? I think that's what a Native American shapeshifter is, technically. I think it's a, is what a skinwalker is. So what do you think it is? I was going to say Bigfoot initially. When you really? first described it, I was going to say Bigfoot. Because I just listened to this other podcast, Two Girls, One Ghost. Shout out. 
two girls, one ghost. But they did a three-part series on Bigfoot, and they described him and how tall he is and hairy and, like, the sounds he makes. And I don't know. It could be Bigfoot. Very similar. Yeah, I think very similar. What do you think it is? One of God's mistakes? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think it's weird that it's, like, only seen on, like, Bray Road. Yeah. Like, maybe it... Maybe it is. Maybe it's like some kind of like some version of a like a wolf. Yeah. That I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the word is. Like I don't know. I'm stupid. Just some type of some type of like mutated wolf, maybe or I don't know. And maybe it hasn't been seen since the '90s because that lady hit it with her car. But it came back. Yeah, but maybe it was like dying and then died after that yeah i don't think it was something satanic i don't know i don't think so either maybe you never know i think if it was something satanic it definitely would have got that lady yeah i mean it tried it was on her trunk yeah but if it was something satanic it would have got her yeah i think i think it would have said you're done yeah but if you look at the pictures which will be on the instagram (laughs) And Facebook. It's so creepy. It does not look like... Like a wolf. Yeah. Or anything, really. Yeah. Let's look it up. Do right your now? phone? Yeah. Let's see what it looks like. Well, the picture I seen was just an illustration. Yeah, but... Like, so... I wish there was a picture, an actual picture. Well, this is said to be an actual picture. The one on the... Okay, but that's scary. It is, but it kind of just looks like a wolf. A yeah, like bit. a like a weird like. That's the like drawing. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Look how long its arms are. That's long meat. <laughs> long dead meat. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag long dead meat. <laughs> long dead meat. Yep. That's him. That's his name. That's their name. Long schlong dead meat. Long schlong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your turn. Cool. Yay. Thanks for that. Now, how do you feel now that you told your very first story on the podcast? It was easier than I thought. I thought it was going to be a lot of pressure and scary. You, you just do it like you're talking to me. I know. Okay, I'm going to move this a little bit closer Okay. since I'm going to go now. Okay, my case today, I think technically it falls under the genre of crime, but it's not a murder and nobody gets technically hurt. I'm covering The Watcher House. Ooh. Ooh. And you're familiar with this, right? A little bit. I didn't... I know that when we went on vacation, I've played podcasts about it in the car, so... Well, I didn't listen. Okay. Well. But I've heard of... All I know... Well, I'll well, tell okay. you about it. How okay, about yeah, that? Me, How about me. I tell you about it? Yeah, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just tell you then. <laughs> so, in 2014, Derek and Maria Broadus thought they purchased their dream home. They bought a six-bedroom Dutch colonial home at the cheap little price tag of only $1.3 million. Oh, wow. NBD. What a peasant. <laughs> I mean, I have that in my purse right now. Yeah. like. But just kidding. Don't rob me. <laughs> <laughs> so the address is 657 Boulevard. And that's the street name is Boulevard, which I think is kind of weird. But. Yeah. 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. So Westfield is like kind of like a little small town. It's compared to Mayberry from the Andy Griffith show. Friendly neighbors, 30,000 residents, very safe town, um, pretty kind of rich area. Just a very nice neighborhood. 
So it was seemingly going to be the perfect home to raise their three children in. Um, it was a few blocks away from where Maria had grew- grown up. As soon as they closed on the home purchase, they started renovations. So they wanted to complete the renovations before they moved in. So they were still living, I believe, in their old home and they were just working on this one. And then they were going to move in whenever they were done renovating it. So Derek was working on the renovations with the contractors. Like him and Maria were both pretty hands on with it. They were at the house a lot. Um, So, yeah, he was Derek was almost always at the house throughout the day. And the kids were usually at the house as well, playing while Derek and or Maria were just working on the house, whatever. So June 2014, Derek had spent the day repainting different rooms inside the house. Um, He finished up painting and he decided to check the mail outside. Mind you, they just bought this house. So like they probably weren't getting very much mail yet. Yeah. Nobody probably knew their address yet. Aside from some normal bills, there was a plain white envelope addressed to the new owner. Here's where it starts. (laughs) Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So the letter reads, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Whoa. (laughs) I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring your bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Signed, The Watcher. Okay, he is coming off way too strong. (laughs) Like, at first I thought it was just, like, a friendly neighbor. Yeah, it seems like kind of, like, welcome to the neighborhood at first, but then it quickly turns a corner. He said, psych. He said, bring me the young blood. Oh, what does that (laughs) even mean? I don't know. Seems very old-timey to speak like that. Immediately for sale sign in the yard. Immediately set on fire. (laughs) Set ablaze. What would you do realistically? Like, I I say set it on fire, but like when I bought my house, what would I have done if I immediately got a letter being like, I'm watching you? What are you going to do? You just bought this house. Honestly, I would probably go to my neighbor and be like, do you know who this could be? (laughs) Yeah. And then it's them. (laughs) So the letter also included details about the family, um, just having to do with their kids, their vehicle, like specifically the type of vehicle they drove. Earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and had chatted with their the new neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10, ran around the backyard with several of the neighborhood kids. So they, I don't know, it could be a neighbor. Like, obviously, they're probably thinking, you know, it could be anybody. Yeah. So when Derek read this letter, it was after 10 p.m. He was alone. So he panicked, obviously. 
he started racing around the house. He went around, turned off, turned off all the lights so that nobody could see inside. And then he immediately called the police. So a police officer came to the house, read the letter and literally was like, what is this? Like, what is this? So he asked, the police officer had asked Derek if he had had any enemies and he recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch just in case the watcher tried to toss it through a window. I don't know where the construction equipment technically was, but, or what that would have to do with, I don't know. It seems like the watcher just going to put it in the mailbox. Like, that's easiest. Yeah. So, anyway. So that night, Derek and Maria emailed the previous owners, um, John and Andrea Woods. So they asked, basically, like, if they had any idea who the watcher was and why the watcher might have written the specific line that was in the um, letter, I guess, because I didn't read the entire letter. It's pretty long. I just took, like, the good parts out of it. But, there was more? Yeah, it was, like, an entire page of oh a letter. Oh, my God. Anyway, one of the lines that the watcher had written in the letter was, I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. So implying that they had gotten a letter, right? That implies that the the watcher has spoken to them or wrote them a letter or something. Yeah. So then Andrea Woods responded the next morning, letting them know that a few days before they moved out, the Woodses had also received a letter from the watcher. And the, the letter was odd and similar to the letter that the Broadduses had received. But that was the first letter they ever received in like 23 years that they lived there. They didn't really think much of it. They just threw it away. Immediately jail. Yeah. Why would you throw that away? That is like evidence. Yeah. So that day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station where Detective Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anybody about the letters. Like, none of the neighbors, anybody. Um, Most of the neighbors she hadn't met anyway, because now they're suspects. So basically, he was just like, we're going to investigate it. Don't tell anybody else. So the Broadduses spent the upcoming weeks on high alert, very nervous about everything, anybody and everything. Derek had canceled a work trip because he didn't want to leave Maria and the kids alone. And then whenever Maria took the kids to their to the new house, the 657 Boulevard house, she would yell their names if they went like too close to the street or like too close to the property lines. So she's yelling their names. Put a pin in that. Uh, yeah. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to another couple that lived on the same block, he froze when the wife said, quote, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Remember the letter referencing young blood? Yeah. That's weird. That is weird because that's not a common thing to say. Yeah. The Broadus's general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Was it the watcher? What? Was it just vandalism? I don't know. This is a pretty safe town. Yeah. Two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria had stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. That's another letter. And again, I'm not reading the entire letter, but just snippets from it. Okay. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. <laughs> what is in the walls, sir? 
So this time in this letter, the watcher, instead of saying like the new owner, he addressed them directly, but he misspelled their last name. So this kind of suggested that maybe he heard somebody say like Broadus's and he didn't know how to spell it. So he tried. Yeah. AKA maybe he's within earshot. AKA ve- maybe he's very close, like a neighbor. Mm-hmm. So then he started talking about how he learned a lot about the family in the last couple weeks since the first letter, especially about their children. Um, he identified identified their three kids like from oldest to youngest and by their nicknames, the ones Maria had been yelling at them in the yard when they were like playing. So yeah. again, he's listening. I think that this implies that he has cameras like all over it. Or house. something. Because it was in 2014, so he could have. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. So then it goes on to say, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. And then the letter asks about one child in particular who the writer had. So there was an easel on their front porch, like a drawing easel. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Like a, if you're an artist, it like props up your canvas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for a little kid. Yeah. So there's one of those on their front porch, but it wasn't clearly visible from the street. Mm -hmm. So the watcher, again, was talking about this easel, aka you wouldn't be able to see this from the street. Cameras. Um, and then they said, is she the artist in the family? So either there's, like, a camera situation or the watcher is, like, a, a literal Close neighbor, neighbor yeah. to where they can see that easel. Then it went on... Um, 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. (laughs) What? Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Wood family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. That's where he misspelled their name. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. <laughs> oh my god, psycho. Psycho. So... Obviously, now that the Watcher knows, like, info about the kids, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. Because it's not safe. Yeah. Um, they And they also didn't know if if and when they would ever move in, because now this is getting really threatening. It's It went from ominous to now, like, literally threatening. Yeah, threats. Um, several weeks later, a third letter arrived. <laughs> Immediately in the trash. Immediately. Don't even read it. 911? <laughs> <laughs> Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. That's just like a snippet from it. When the Woodses put 657 Boulevard on the market, they had received multiple offers on it. So it was almost like kind of like a bidding war. You know how like people really want the house or yeah. whatever. 
Um, so the Broadduses were now thinking maybe the Watcher was like one of those bidders that had been outbid or like lost out on the house. But the Woodses said that one interested buyer had backed out because they got a bad medical diagnosis. So it's probably not them. Like they're not going to be spiteful about not getting the house. They backed out. Mm-hmm. And then another had already found a different house. So what does it matter to them? Yeah. Like it's not like they're still searching and searching. Maybe he wasn't a bitter, but he was definitely bitter. <laughs> Shut <up>. Cage. <laughs> In an email to the Broadduses, Andrea Woods proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? This made sense, obviously. Yeah. So the letters had been processed at the post office distribution center, which was in Kearney, New Jersey. So it was a local person. Like, they could tell that's where it was mailed to. Yeah. Um, The first letter was postmarked on June 4th, which was before the sale of the house was made public. So in order to know that the house had been sold, you would have to be in the neighborhood. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the Woodses had never put up a for sale sign when they put their house up for sale. There was not a sign in the yard. So for somebody to know, I feel like they had to have gotten it from word of mouth, like from the neighbors. Yeah. So, um, June 4th, when that was postmarked, so it was mailed on that day. This was one day after the contractors showed up. So the contractors show up and then the next day this letter was mailed. Weird. It's a neighbor. Yeah. Um, and, but the contractors were mostly working on the interior of the house at this point. The neighbors around that, like, they had talked to after the fact said that they didn't even really notice, like, construction commotion from the renovations at this point. So, like, you'd literally have to be watching, like, looking out for this type of thing. So then when Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him that the easel that was mentioned in the letter um, on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation. So it made it difficult to see unless somebody was behind the house or right next door. Ding, ding, ding. A few days after the first letter, the Broadduses went to a neighbor's barbecue, just like a welcome to the neighborhood type of barbecue, um, about the Broadduses and another family that had just moved in. And as the police had instructed, they had not mentioned the letters to anybody. They were just keeping it secret. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors away when um, this John, he had told Derek about the Langford family who lived in between them. So the Langford house would be right next door to uh, the Broadduses. So I guess Peggy Langford was this old old lady in her 90s. And several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. The family was pretty odd, this guy John said, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langford, like, kids, but they're 60. Um, This guy's name is Michael. He didn't work. He, this is a quote, had a beard like Ernest Hemingway and was kind of a Boo Radley character. It's like an odd, like, I don't know, just like a weird, like, recluse type of guy. Okay. AKA they're kind of pointing. They're kind of thinking, not they, but like Derek is hearing this and he's being mm-hmm. like, okay, it's, maybe it's this guy. Because yeah. they're right next door. Like it fits. Derek. So yeah, Derek was like, this is it. Like, obviously. Well, it kind of makes sense because I feel like old people are always like, like nosy. mean neighbors. And yeah. Like they don't want anyone. Yeah. Um, the Langfords, yeah, so this this made perfect sense. The Langfords' house was right next door, and they would clearly be able to see the easel. The family had lived there since the 1960s, so if you remember in, I think it was the first letter, 
the watcher talked about his their father um beginning to observe the house in the 60s so the timing is making sense richard langford who was the i believe the dad of that michael guy um he had died 12 years earlier so then the current like the watcher guy in the letters claimed to have been on this job for the better part of two decades well if his his dad died 12 years ago and it was the job was handed off to him that would make sense it's going on two decades yeah so everything's lining up so when the broadest has told detective lugo about the family the langfords um he said he already knew and a week after the first letter arrived he brought michael langford to police headquarters for an interview so he was already working this angle Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broadduses say that Detective Lugo told them that the narrative, the quote-unquote narrative of what he said, of what Michael said, mm-hmm. matches things met- mentioned in the letter. But there wasn't really any actual evidence. Like, all they have is these letters, and they, they're not really getting anything from these letters. Um, so after a few weeks, the police told the Broadduses there was really nothing they could do unless somebody literally was like, yeah, I did this. Oh, so let's just wait until they kill one of us. <laughs> yeah, but what can they do? Yeah. So the Broadduses began their own investigation, and Derek became obsessed. Um, after all, whoever this watcher was, he's now threatening the family. He, she, they are now threatening the family. So Derek set up webcams in the house, and then he spent nights crouched in the dark watching to see if anybody was watching the house at a close range. The Broadduses also hired a private investigator who watched the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langford people, those neighbors, but he didn't really find anything. Derek contacted two former FBI agents and, like, hired, I think he hired one of them, to conduct a threat assessment, basically to see, like, do we think this person's going to act on their threats? Um, They recognized several old-fashioned, like, ticks in the letters, like, just the way of, like, writing and talking. Um, that suggested the writer to be older and a quote-unquote voracious reader and less macho. Like, let's just insult the Watcher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They didn't think the Watcher was likely to act on the threats, but because of, like, the typos and and the errors in the letter, it suggested somebody who was erratic. And then the angry tone of the letters towards the wealthy, like, talking about them being greedy and the last three families that moved in were greedy. Like, they seem to have this hate of, like, the wealthy. Sounds like it could be a homeless man. Maybe. Living in the tree. Maybe. (laughs) So then they got another letter. Some of it saying, this is just, like, a snippet of it, and it's kind of hard to read. It says, the house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what it used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Why is it Loki giving, like, demon ghosts? It's giving me goosebumps. <laughs> TBH. I'm, I'm too. So one of the former FBI agents, um, his last name is Lenahan, L-E-N-E-H-A-N. I'm going to say Lenahan. Yeah. He recommended looking into former housekeepers or, like, their kids because it was talking about, like, 
being jealous of like the owners in that letter like that suggests that it's not like a child that lived there um perhaps the watcher was jealous that the broadises had bought a home that the watcher couldn't afford and that's why he's hateful about like greed and stuff like that but the focus pretty much stayed on the langford family like they were pretty sure this is they probably have something to do with it so in cooperation with westfield police the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house. They were just hoping to get a response from the Watcher. They only sent this letter to the Langford house. Because that way they were like, oh, if we get a letter talking about this, we know yeah. it came from them. Yeah. So then Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in, the Langford guy, obviously, for a second interview but got nowhere. And then his sister Abby accused the police of harassing their family. Eventually, the Broadduses hired Lee Levitt, who's a lawyer, um, who met with several family members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney, um, showed them the letters along with the photos, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the very few, like, vantage points that could see that easel. The meeting got really tense, and the Langfords insisted Michael was innocent. One night, Derek had a dream where he confronted Peggy, who was the, the mom. Um, and then demanded she build an eight foot fence between the properties, just like really random dream. Mm -hmm. Maria was having other kinds of dreams. One night she woke up to a very vivid one about a man who lived nearby. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Jesus. Maria was having other kinds of dreams. One night, she woke up to a very vivid dream about a man who lived nearby. Nearby, She said, he was wearing these boots and carrying a pitchfork and calling to the kids, and I couldn't get to them in time. So it's just, like, a really terrifying dream. Yeah. Like, they're being very affected by this stuff. Yeah. I think that, at this point, they should put cameras up to see if someone's, like, creeping on them. Well, I think they did. I think I oh. said Derek put up, like, webcams and stuff. Oh. But I don't know. For whatever reason, they're not getting anything. Um, and then, with going back to Maria, she thought basically almost anybody could be the Watcher, which made life terrible. Um, she was always on guard, like, going to the grocery store. She was like, is one of these people the Watcher? <laughs> so the private investigator like was working this case obviously he found two child sex offenders within a few blocks bill woodward who is the house painter that was there like from the get-go basically had also noticed some sh something strange so the couple that lived directly behind 657 boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs very weirdly close to the property line of 657 boulevard and this house painter guy supposedly one day saw an older man sitting in one of those chairs facing the Broadus's house. Like, what are you doing? Sir, what are you doing? It's giving my neighbor. <laughs> Stop. Psycho. By the end of 2014, the investigation basically was at a dead end. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place someone at the scene of a crime that could have been committed from anywhere like any they mailed a letter like it <laughs> the cats are just tearing through this room right now 
It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't have a crime scene to investigate. Like it's very they much nothing. they have nothing. In December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses they had run out of options. Derek showed the letters to his priest, who agreed to bless the house, like just in case, I guess. The renovations were finished within a few months, but the Broadduses never got to move in because they were afraid and anxious that something might happen to them or their kids. Derek kept responding to occasional alarms at the house. Sometimes in the middle of a night of the night, he would bring a knife with him just in case. Like it's just driving him insane. Not knowing, yeah. which it would me too, I think. So Bill Woodward, the painter, said, I'm a stranger and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms. Like, that's how, like, just messed up she was over it. Um, and then it didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. And then here's another snippet from another letter. What is going on? <laughs> Do you hear her? Yes. <laughs> it's like... For anybody that's still listening, I'm probably going to leave this part in, but it's like when you hear like a dog or a cat trying to run on tile and they do that little, <laughs> like they're trying to run, but they're not they're moving. They're slipping. They're slipping. They're skidding. <laughs> they got the brakes on. Oh my God. I'm peeling out. Um. Anyway. So then another snippet from another letter. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Oh my, he wants the kids there. He wants the kids there. Sex offender. Sex offender. Jail. Cage. <laughs> the Broadduses had sold their old home, because you got to think, at this point, they're now probably still paying on their old home, paying the new mortgage for this house, paying for all the renovations. Like, this is not financially easy. Yeah. Um. So they sold their old house, and then they moved in with Maria's parents, who lived in the neighborhood still, I believe. While continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. Like, why? Like, you should have canceled that. But but now, everybody in the neighborhood knows what's going on there. So it's like, you're going to sell it to somebody? They're going to buy it? I wouldn't. Yeah, true. They, they told only a handful of friends about the letters, which left others to ask why they weren't moving in. Like, because they weren't telling everybody. Then people started speculating. Um, and then the Broadduses would say legal issues. And then people would be like, are they getting divorced? Like, the rumors started flying. They fought constantly and started taking medication to fall asleep. Talking about Derek and Maria. They were depressed. Maria was diagnosed with PTSD and her therapist suggested they sell the house. Like, PTSD from this. That is sad. Six months after the letters arrived, the Broadduses decided to sell 657 Boulevard. They initially listed it for more than what they paid because they renovated it. Yeah. Um, but the rumors had already begun to swirl about why the house was empty. One uh, realtor emailed to say her client loved it, but that there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around. Raging, ranging from sexual predator, stalker, like just talking about what was going on, that they needed to know more. 
Um, the Broadduses sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers. And then they told Coldwell Bank, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anybody whose offer was accepted. So they didn't want people just like being like, oh, I'm interested in buying this house. Let me see the letters just because they wanted to see the letters. Yeah. So several preliminary bids came in well below what they were asking for. So they would have to take a big hit. But the Broadduses weren't ready to take such like such a loss on it. Um, and they only wanted to share the letters with people that were like probably going to buy it. On June 2nd of 2015, so like an entire year later, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed that letter. I think they should have too. Yeah. Um, the story of the Watcher ended up going viral, and the neighbors started to wonder if the Broadduses were suffering from buyer's remorse, realizing maybe that they couldn't afford the house, and basically just trying to get out from under it and sent the letters to themselves. Like, why would you send the letters to yourselves? Yeah. Like, these people are terrible. They, they didn't do that. Yeah, no. Or that Derek was trying to come up with, like, insurance, an insurance fraud scheme. Or they were trying to get a movie deal. Like, basically, people were just blaming them at this point. And the Broadduses did receive several offers for movies, but turned them down. Lifetime eventually re released a movie called The Watcher, despite, like, Lifetime getting a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses being like, hey, don't do that. Um, but Lifetime argued that the couple in its movie was a biracial couple, and the letters were signed The Raven. Other than that, it's the same story. Come on. Sue. <laughs> yeah. And then some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broadduses had upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $700,000 house to a $1.3 million one and then refinance their mortgages. So they're trying to be like, how do they afford to like jump up that, that high over 10 years? But people get raises in their jobs. Yeah. It happens. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broadduses kept renovating a home that they weren't moving into or questioning whether they had really done all that much renovating at all. Just being suspicious of the Broadduses still. Ma'am, mind your business. Mind your business. They're going through enough. Um, they even cast a doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety. Citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with photos of her kids. Who cares? She's allowed to post pictures of her kids. Doesn't everyone? like? Literally everybody does. The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA against the, like, the DNA that they found on the envelope, and it was not a match, so it was not Maria. None of these theories made much sense. The Broadduses had answers to every question. How does someone go from $300,000 house to a $1.3 million house in 10 years? Derek said, it's America. People get raises. Yeah. But they weren't really speaking publicly, and as the rumors persist persisted, basically they just kept quiet, because they were like, we don't have to, we don't have to justify ourselves. Yeah. One resident on the same street wrote a letter to the editor of that same magazine that I mentioned earlier, arguing that an elaborate scheme is underway to defraud the Woods family for millions of dollars. No, it's not. Literally, no, it's not. They had, so the Broadduses had lived in the family, or in the area for a decade. Maria's family had been part of the community for a very long time. So it was super shocking to find themselves being accused of basically being con, art, con artists. Like, 
mur- like they're well known in the area. Like yeah. they're not just going to do that. Two years after the Watchers' letters arrived, the Baradises borrowed money from family members to buy another home in Westfield using an LLC to keep the location private because they didn't want, like, crazy people finding their address. Yeah. Their lawsuit against the Woodses ended up getting dismissed. Derek looked into renting the house out, like the 657 house, to the Department of Veterans Affairs and a company that runs halfway homes. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, thinking maybe it might get more interest with how public this story is now. The Broadus has held a well-attended open house, like a lot of people came to this open house. And then Derek and Maria spent hours researching every single person who signed in, trying to compare their handwriting to the watchers, thinking maybe this watcher came to the open house. But each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Broadus's lawyer to read the letters, they backed out. So every time they were like, yeah, I don't care about these letters. Like, let me see them. I'll buy this house. Then they read them and they're like, actually, actually, no. Do you know, like, how many letters they had at this point two years later? I believe it was like four or five or six total. Like, it wasn't like a lot. But still enough to be like, I'm good. To be, one is enough to be concerning to me. Yeah. And then, so, the Broadduses just started feeling like they were out of options. Um, their real estate lawyer proposed an idea. Sell the house to a developer who could tear it down and s- then split the property into two different properties and, like, make two homes out of it. They thought they could get a million dollars for the lot. So, like, that would be pretty close to their asking price. When the planning board met to decide the application of being able to do this, in January 2017, it had already devoted a three-hour hearing to the to this like issue. More than a hundred people showed up. One of them was somebody who lived across the street and had a daughter in the same grade as one of the Broadus's kids. This lady got a lawyer to fight this because anytime you do anything like building in a neighborhood, building on your property, like it has to be okayed a lot of the time by like the neighbors and stuff, like the board. So then they had dedicated a three-hour segment to this hearing or whatever. It went on till 11.30 p.m. So it was, like, all day. They were, like, fighting back and forth about being able to do this. So then the board unanimously rejected this proposal and said, you guys cannot do that. Why were people fighting against it? Because anytime you have, like, an uppity neighborhood like that or, like, a like a kind of a wealthier area, you have HOAs, you have basically all the neighbors don't want you to do anything that they they think could devalue the area or devalue their own home. And you have this big, beautiful house that you're trying to like split into two properties and two smaller houses. So my guess would be like, they thought that it would devalue like the neighborhood. Yeah. In some way. And it's like a lot of construction. Yeah. But also, like, who cares? Yeah, that's what I think. Who cares what people do? Yeah. So then not long after this decision, the Broadduses got some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs agreed to rent 657 Boulevard from them. The renter basically just said he was not worried about the watcher, but he did put a clause in the lease that would let him out in case he got another, like, another letter came. He could say, okay, I want out of this lease. Two weeks later, Derek went to 657 Boulevard to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof, and the renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. 
Oh no. Violent Winds and Bitter Cold is what it was titled. To the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria, you wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks and when... I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you fall sick. Day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones die suddenly, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break. What? If that ain't a threat. That's many threats. So Derek took that letter to the police headquarters where a detective looked at at a neighborhood map and then basically just traced a circle around the house, 300 yards in diameter, and then was like, the watcher has to be somewhere in this circle, like 300 yards around your house somewhere. We already knew that, though. Yeah. Derek drew a, li- a circle much closer, and he said, in my view, it's one of 10 houses in the world. Like, it has to be, like, right around his house. Yeah. But still, there wasn't really anything police could do. Um, to this day, we still don't know who the watcher was. The couple had bought the home... For one million three hundred and fifty-five thousand six hundred and fifty-seven, they spent about a hundred or a hundred thousand on renovations, plus everything they spent on t- property taxes and just like maintaining and upkeeping the home while not living, not being able to live in it. They ended up selling it in early July, twenty nineteen, for about nine hundred and fifty-nine thousand. So they took a big loss on it. And then, according to the website The Cut, the new residents have not received any letters from the watcher. The writer's identity has not been conclusively decided. The investigation is not active, but not closed, according to the Union County Prosecutor's Office. And that's the story of The Watcher. That's so disappointing that they still don't know who it is. I know, and they obviously now have um, the Netflix thing about it. But I believe, I don't know why I didn't put it in here. So the Broadduses obviously sold their story to Netflix. Like, for Netflix to be able to have that. But they had, I believe, two conditions and that it was, like, everybody's names is different and they can't look like the Broadus family, which I didn't watch the show. I started to, but um, they just exaggerated too much. Yeah, I heard that it was very different. Yeah, it was extremely different. There was, like, deaths and stuff and in the show. And they made it, like, like, yeah. And I think they went more of, like, a haunting theme. I don't, I don't remember. I stopped watching it. And I don't know what the Broadduses look like, so... I don't think it's... That poor family. All I that know. trauma. To get 900000 Yeah, to lose $400,000 plus dollars. Because we don't know. I mean, they spent 100000 on renovations, but who knows how much the property taxes were and everything. I want to know where they're at now. Uh, they still live in Westfield. Oh. Like, they still live in that town, but... Because they bought a different house in that town. So do you think, like, the Watcher just, like, died and that's why there's no more letters? Or do you think it was just for that family? I don't know. Well, it obviously wasn't just for that family if the Woodses got a letter. Oh, true. But I don't know. I really don't know. 
maybe I feel like maybe it was like a sex offender or something or I don't I know. still think it's the neighbors the maybe it was but then why wouldn't they be like sending letters to the new people that bought it about like their young blood or whatever did they have a bunch I, of kids we don't know because maybe that's why they didn't want a bunch of kids just like running around well it sounds like they did true it sounds like they wanted kids in the house i don't know but maybe they were trying to manipulate him to be like oh i'm not bringing my kids around here yeah or maybe michael langford allegedly was just bored <laughs> just playing a game <laughs> just, just a fun game. games allegedly we don't know that it was anybody But the fact Don't that they us. didn't find <laughs> any, like, fingerprints or anything, like, that... And I think I read in one source, but I couldn't find it in a lot, that they, like, they obviously had DNA from whoever licked the envelope. And they tested that against Maria, and they found that it wasn't her. And I believe that they were able to determine that it was a woman. What? I believe. But I couldn't find that, like, widely in all my sources, so I don't know for sure. But so could it have been that... Michael's sister, Abby, I think her name was, that was like, my brother is innocent. Stop harassing our family. Or the 90-year-old woman. Or, yeah, or she might not have even known what was going on at 90. Like, they could have just been like, hey, mom, seal this for us. Seal True. this envelope for us. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. I want answers. Yeah. So, what'd you think of your second time being on? Or... Third time, right? Third, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third time being on. I liked it a lot more this time. <laughs> you felt, like having a story? Yeah, I felt I did better. Yeah, I think you did pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah. My story was a lot, so. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot for no answers. For no answers. No very, resolution. Very frustrating. Yeah. Very annoying. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to follow us on social media... Um, our Instagram is eerie thoughts with a zero. TikTok is eerie.thoughts.pod. Facebook is eerie thoughts podcast. I'm on Instagram as Q V E E N B I N C H. Sam is on Instagram as S A M M underscore S T O R A D 1415. I'm on Instagram as N I C O L E underscore M Y R A. I think. <laughs> and is that your TikTok as well? No, my TikTok is Nicole underscore your mom. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are M-O-M. You are M-O-M. <laughs> and so. she makes TikToks where she likes to pop her butt out. <laughs> Hi, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Brennan. <laughs> Hi. Oh, wait, I can't say that. Never mind. And then you can email us your eerie stories and episode suggestions or fan mail or hate mail at eeriethoughtspod at gmail.com. Specifically the hate mail. Specifically the hate mail. Um, and then you can picture my face crying while I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to add? No, but what countries are you guys in now? You're in like 10. <sighs> Let me look. Uh, she's like, oh, I'm so famous. It's so, so hard famous there's so many countries to name everyone wants your autograph do you guys want my autograph united states canada uk australia sweden vietnam mexico south africa and ireland sweden is cool okay <laughs> i don't know anything about sweden except for swedish fish <laughs> love that love that we love you all bye bitches bye